0: Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 103.9 L.I. News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, our continuing series with Darlene Cunahan, wonderful uh, educator and mathematician, uh, coach, someone who has put her, her heart and soul into this, and this is why... She's so, uh, she has so many accolades and awards and, and so forth. It's for good reason. Uh, effort pays off. Merit pays off. Uh, Darlene, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Well, we've, we've been getting some you know, interesting thoughts from you. I hope, I hope there's educators listening, and I hope there's young educators listening, because what you talk about is what we all hope as parents, uh, that the, the teachers... And the administrators are are thinking about the the last uh, last time we spoke, you uh, you t- uh, spoke about taking the the kids, the most difficult children and students from uh, from each class and putting them together in your own class and and trying to get the best out of them. You've also spoken about uh, uh, about giving a quiz uh, every day in uh, in class, and when you took it away from uh, from the students. Uh, they protested, or they—they they at least told you that there was uh, there was reason that they wanted this. They wanted—they uh, wanted it back. Uh, there's a there's a lot of things that you tried that uh, that that weren't traditional, but somehow, some way, that uh, they they seemed to work out fine.
1: Well, yes, I I think I became known as a person who. Uh, had some rather unusual uh, approaches to dealing with situations, you know, and I was, you know I was a workaholic, I loved what I was doing, and I would just problem solve and can think about doing things that I hadn't seen other people do, or I might see somebody else do it, and I would change it to work better for me. So I was fortunate that I – especially that I started out at Cabin John Junior High because there were a lot of good role models there, administrators and a math resource teacher. And there were two other teachers there in the math department that were very good. So I, I learned a lot in that beginning. You know, I, I, I don't know if I even – I don't even know if I ever mentioned what happened when I was a senior at Hood and did my student teaching at a um, junior high school in Frederick.
0: You you haven't talked about your stu- uh, j- uh, student teaching, but uh, we'd love to hear it. If you can, give us a little rundown.
1: Okay. Oh, well, quickly. yeah. Well, The way you say it works is well, in our junior year, we would meet with an uh, I had an appointment with a person that was going to be our cooperating teacher the following year. So when I was a senior, I did my student teaching in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, It was not real far from Hood College where I was attending uh, at the time. And when I met with him, before you know, like the week before I was going to begin my student teaching, he told me that he had just started teaching this special seventh grade course, uh, and I wouldn't. And he had two classes of them for, and they were for very bright seventh graders. And he said that I wouldn't be able to teach those because he was required to take a course on teaching him first, and then he had to, for a year, watch somebody else teaching that course. So, you know, I understood that. But what happened was, well, on the, first, the first day in, was my student teaching, uh, My first very class, as a matter of fact, I mentioned to them near the end of the period that they would have a little five-point, five-question quiz the next day at the beginning of class. And and somebody spoke up and said, you can't do that. Mr. Moffat doesn't do that. And Mr. Moffat was sitting in the back of the room, and the, the entire class of kids turned around and looked at him. And he put his head down and didn't say a word. <laughs> it was ki- kind of interesting. you know, And I said, well, Mr. Morris not your teacher anymore. I am, and you're going to have a quiz tomorrow. And it's going to cover stuff from today. So you know, it's not hard if you pay attention and you review things in the evening. In fact, you're going to have a quiz just about every day at the beginning of class. Okay, so um, anyway, this after class because i wasn't going to be able to teach these other two classes that mr moffitt was teaching and of course i observed him teaching them i took a look at the instructional materials that they were using and it, it the, the kids had paperback books so they hadn't been out very long and the people who wrote it designed it for really bright kids and and was nothing like what I'd ever seen for junior high kids before. But it was material that I knew, maybe because of some of the courses I took, where they maybe didn't even cover any of that kind of stuff in college or high schools when I was attending them. So, anyway, I was looking at, at the things and um, I noticed that there was something in in, in the materials that wasn't quite right. <laughs> and I pointed it out to Mr. Moffat. And, and he, I was more familiar with the actual stuff in the content, math content, than, than he was. Because it wasn't something that usually was taught prior to that time. And it was, they were materials and they were a series of paperback books that were printed for grade 7 through twelve. And it was called Unified Mathematics uh, uh, Curriculum Improvement Study, or something like that. (laughs) SSMCIS. At any rate, after my third day, at the end of the day, when I met with him, he said, "You know, I got special permission for you to teach one of those two classes." He said, so, if you'd like to teach one of them, you can. I will t-. He said he would teach the first one in the morning, and then I could observe him, and I'd teach the one in the afternoon. So, yeah, I was really happy I was able to do that. So, at any rate, it worked out really well, and I continued to teach the course. But it, the day after that... Especially I had taught at one time, what I saw happening in his class in the morning was a student asked him a question and when he, to clarify something he had taught the day before, when he explained it to the girl, he did it the way I had done it the previous day. <laughs> So I really felt good to see him use what I had just done the previous day. Um, So... my student teaching experience, I thought, was just wonderful.
0: Yeah, well, you know, he was
1: he was really good, and I learned a lot by watching him.
0: Darlene Coolahan is is the voice that you're hearing. If you're just joining us, or if you're just turning on your radio or your uh, your computer, uh, Darlene Coolahan is uh, our very special guest, part of a continuing series. Uh also shows a tremendous amount of, uh, of confidence, and I'm sure it was a big confidence boost for you uh, coming into your student teaching, uh, getting that kind of response.
1: Yes. Uh, I got a very good evaluation by my cooperating teacher, and that was first semester of my senior year at the college. And as it, as it turned out, in I think it was December of my senior year, the college had... Like a job fair where, where people came in from different industries and school systems to interview people. And I went to one interview for Montgomery County Public Schools because I lived in Montgomery County. and. I got hired on the spot at the end of the the conference. He offered me a job, and I said, yes. So it was December, and I wasn't even going to start until near the end of the following summer. So, And I ended up being at Cabin John Junior High School in Potomac, Maryland. And that particular area was a rather affluent area that had some very wealthy people who lived there. For example, I taught Neil Armstrong, son at Kevin John. Wow. As well as uh, I, I had a student who was a, a junior high school student that was a champion at... Um, it was a girl in t- table tennis and had won some national things. And then I had a guy who did... Uh, Oh, it wasn't canoes. What do you call Kayaks? the things? Yes, Kayaks. and he—he he was a kayaker who had worn a lot of things. But anyway, the point is that it was a very affluent area, and that was my first school. And I, when I, I went to an interview at Tacoma Park Junior High, which is on the other side of the county, and it was a completely different kind of situation. It was uh, there were there were a lot of different minorities that lived in that area, and their income level levels were most of them were nothing like the ones at Cabin John. So it was a whole different situation, and I was young, you know. I think I was uh, maybe twenty five or twenty six years old, and All the people in my department had more teaching experience than I had. They were older than I was. And part of my job as a resource teacher, besides doing things like ordering materials and all that kind of stuff, uh, I was required to observe other teachers and make suggestions for ways for them to improve. And... I didn't waste any time getting into their classrooms to start doing that. And starting the second week of school, every one of them, when I made a suggestion after observing them, said something like, That won't work here. You know, it might have worked in your last school, but it won't work in this one so i had a major problem i went to the principal told him about the problem and i come up with a solution i asked him to uh, let me give up my planning period and create a new class and 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 take the kids from the change kids schedules from the other teachers and have them give me uh students that met two criteria one they had to be at least like about two years behind grade level, and secondly, behavior problems. You know, if they 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 wanted to give them to me first. But I could have some other students that weren't behavior problems, but were really far behind. So the principal was hesitant to, to say that. He said I was setting myself up for failure, and I said something like, you know, you hired me, knowing I was young, <laughs> but I'm good and i'm committed and i can assure you i'm not setting myself up for failure i will not let that happen so he agreed and i did and before i started teaching that class i found out everything i could about all the kids that were going to be in my class, I contacted all of the parents, ones that didn't have a telephone, I made home visits to talk to them, I really didn't want to do that because I didn't want the parents to know I was as young as I was, Um, basically I told them, you know, I'm sure that you know that your child is behind in mathematics and I'm the new Head of the math department, and I would like to change your child's schedule and put them in a class of mine, and I'll teach it. And, you know, if you're willing to give me support and backup whenever I ask, I, I will make sure that your child gains at least two grade levels this year. So Of course, they all said okay. I also told them that I would be contacting them once a week to let them know how their child was doing that week, but to also let them know what the assignments would be because I needed them to make sure their kids did the homework every night. Okay. So was, we changed the schedules and the very first day of, you know, I knew I was getting a couple of bullies in the school. And, and of course, you know, when the bell rang the first day, when the class was changed, I shut the door, and it was locked, and somebody arrived late, and he was one of the three big bullies that I was getting And he was actually a little bigger than I was. And I went to the door and said, You're late. Do you have you know, a pass from anybody excusing your tardiness? He said, No. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and I said, Well, you see that chair? And just over there thing in the front of the room, go sit down on one side of the desk. Since you were late, you're going to have to arm wrestle me in front of the class. <laughs> he, he said, you got to be kidding. I said, no, you're you to arm wrestle a woman? He said, no, no. So he, went over and he sat down and phew. first time, I went two seconds and I had his arm down. He said, I wasn't ready. Can we do that again? So I said, sure. So I did it again. And then he said, oh. Well, how about left-handed? I said that's fine with me too. <laughs> so I did it again. It took me a little longer, but I did it. <laughs> and he looked at me and his mouth dropped open. And I said, "What? You want to like le- leg wrestle me now or something?" Uh, and he said, "No, no, no. I'll you up?" <laughs> wow. So why did I do that? I knew that I needed to get the respect from the kids in that class, except especially from some of the males. So I started letting them know, you know, I was about business and they couldn't mess around in my classroom. There's something you can do, I mean, the way you present yourself, give the, the, the kids the impression that you're not going to tolerate nonsense in the classroom. I never, ever had kids miss the save in my classrooms in my entire career from the very first day. Uh, in fact, sometimes in my first school, I, for a language teacher from across the hall, when she had a student who was disrupting class and she didn't want to send him to the office, she would bring him over to my classroom and put him in the back of my room to get him, to get him or her out of her class. Okay, and they didn't cause any problems for me. And sometimes she had him come over if they had him like make up a test or something. So, anyway... <laughs> So I taught that class, and in that class, I didn't give a quiz at the the beginning of the period every day. I decided to give it the end of class, and it was going to cover things we went over in class. So that could be another reason for them to pay attention if they don't uh, understand something, to ask questions, and it worked out really well. And amazingly, you know, they all started performing and doing the things they should do one of the things i did that first week though was i said you know i'm going to be contacting your parents over the weekend and you get to decide what i'm going to tell them they said what you're going to say what we want you to say i said i didn't say that but you get to decide what i'm going to say because i'm just going to tell your parents what you did that week if you came in to class on time, I'll tell them that. If you did your homework, I'm going to tell them that. You know, you behave and act appropriately and participate in class discussions. I'll tell them that. You do well on the daily quizzes, and I'm going to tell them that. And I bet every single one of you don't get many phone calls from from teachers saying those things and you, it probably, you'd probably be to your advantage to have somebody telling your parents good stuff. Yeah. So, and that's what I did, and I did it every week. And the kids were learning. They were doing well in the quizzes. And amazingly, you know, after a month or so, a lot of them started doing better in all of their other classes, too. I just, They discovered that it made them feel good to be doing well and that they were learning. So, and, you know, instead of me observing them during that time period, the principal agreed to require them to observe me in that class, which they did, so they could see their own students that they had given me. You know, doing all the things that I just mentioned. So when I made a suggestion to them, nobody could ever say that won't work here again, because they could see it working in my classroom, and I had their biggest problems, <laughs> and they're all together at the same time. So that worked out really well. You know, there were some other things I did at, is at school. The next year, in. in I went to principal before the second year started. I talked to the English resource teacher, which was an older woman and had a wonderful reputation, and she was a no-nonsense person too. And I talked to her about the large number of kids we were getting from the elementary schools that were, were way behind in math and in English too. And I told her what I'd like to do is create a uh, special course for those kids the following
0: year. We lost Darlene for a quick second. Um, Frank McKay here, reminding everyone: Darlene Cunahan. I'm sorry. Is no Mark can accept your? Uh,
1: uh,
0: we lost her for a split second. I'm well, Frank McKay here once again. Darlene Cunahan. Is uh, someone who's won every award you can imagine, as an educator, as a uh, as a coach, as a mathematician, and teaching kids math uh, mathematics. Doling Cunahan, we should should have her once. Hi, I don't know what happened. We lost you for a split second, but you were, uh, you you were in the middle of a thought. But let me, as as I'm reminding everyone of who they're listening to, Darlene Cunahan once again is uh, is is awarded every every award you can imagine for education and uh, past her her retirement, uh, you know even being recognized and uh, just tremendous. Uh, One thing that you you mentioned, Darlene, uh, you mentioned other teachers bringing. Troubled students to you. I'm not talking about just that one project where you called for it and you asked uh, for the most difficult uh, students, but in general, like if someone was misbehaving, then they'd bring bring them to uh, Ms. Cunahan's class and uh, and you see from there. I, you know, I, I, I never realized it, but that happened in in many uh, of the you know the different schools. I was in a lot of schools growing up, and they would bring troubled kids to a very strict teacher who I guess could, uh, could discipline them. I, I didn't realize how prominent that is, but that, that that's something that I guess uh, a teacher would do. Did you ever bring students to other teachers' classes who you were having a hard time uh, handling, behavior-wise? No, never.
1: Yeah. I didn't have behavioral problems. I didn't have them as a student teacher. I didn't have them as a teacher. You know, when I was in high school, I had a Latin teacher who was an older woman and uh, had to walk with the assistance of the cane. And there was just something about that woman that. Even some of the people that were in that Latin class who caused problems sometimes in other people's classes, nobody messed around in her classroom. There was just something about the way she presented herself. So you just knew not to do that. And I guess somehow I did that too. So I never, ever had a discipline problem in my entire career. Yeah, amazing. Right, amazing. So and what I was uh, saying... Oh, I began, say, the second year I was at, at at that school, I went to the English resource teacher and talked to her about us each creating a special class that never existed before at Tacoma Park Junior High School where we would take kids coming in from the elementary school that were way behind in both math and English, and she we would take... Ones that were behind in both our subjects, so that then we would each have one class of them for one semester, and then we would trade students, so we each had them for half of the year. And the point of it was to help getting them caught up in our subjects, but also at the same time, I I spent some time finding out you know exactly where the other math teachers in seventh grade, what they were teaching in their classrooms at the time, or were about to be teaching. And I would teach the kids some of that before they were presented with the information by their other math teachers, their regular math teachers, so that they would be more successful in their regular math classroom. And she was doing the same thing with the English teachers. And that worked really well, too. So we did it again the next year. So it hmm. ah, worked well, and I was, you know, I was very pleased. So I stayed in that school a few years, but during that time period, I, uh, some of my friends from my previous school at Cabin John told me and worked in Damascus told me about the this development up there of townhouses where the the voters went bankrupt and the bank took over and they were selling townhouses at a good price and there happened to be a a special deduction for people who were buying houses that particular year. So, I bought a townhouse. And, uh, and it was far away from the school. So it took me like an hour each way to get there. And one time when it snowed, it took me almost three hours to get home because of the problems on the roads. So I, when there was an opening at Resu Junior High School, which was a lot closer to Damascus, uh, it was sort of like in the Gasburg area, I applied for the math Resource teacher there. But I couldn't talk to the principal before I made arrangements for an interview because I did some homework, and I was told by some people that there was a math teacher in the department there that was was pretty sure he was going to get that job. So I didn't want to take time off from work to go to an interview if I was just going to be a person. So before they could hire someone, they had to interview at least three people. I didn't just want to be an extra person so they could meet that minimum. And the principal said, well, yeah, there is a person in the department who would like the position, but, you know, if you're better qualified and I want to hire you instead, that's what I'll do. So I went, and that's what he did. He hired me. Yeah. So then I went to meet you, and it was the largest junior high school in the county. In the math department, I had actually had a math aide that was there for like a couple hours a day, and she was also math, uh, an aide in another department. But I had uh, at least ten teachers in the department. And of course, I was, there was only one that was younger than I was, and some of them were quite a bit older. And I I faced a different kind of problem there. Before before school started, I met with the high school where all the students from my school would be going. So, and she told me that the kids from (coughs) Ridgeview stood out (laughs) because they had more difficulty and problems in the math courses there because it became clear to the teachers in the high school that they had not studied quite a bit of the prerequisite courses at Ridgeview Junior High, so I had to do something about that. And I, I, you know, I brought it up at the first meeting with my math department just a couple days before school started. And you know, basically what they told me was that you know, they never finished some of the two or three chapters years that they were supposed to have covered with those kids before they went to high school because they just they had to go slower so the kids wouldn't be information and i said well that's a real problem the kids are going to high school in are at a disadvantage and that disadvantage can go with them for a couple of years there because they're not doing well in the next courses so and it, unless they drop the course, they're going to not do so well for the one after that either. So we got to do something about that. So, you know, I talked to, and I had one of the algebra classes too. And I said, well, I, I think maybe if you have to go that slow to get through the curriculum, maybe you're putting kids in the classes that shouldn't be in them yet, like in algebra in eighth grade. So you need to maybe do a better job. Of recommending who takes Algebra 1 in eighth grade and who doesn't. So, anyway, I s- suggested to them first that they, I got them to agree to double their speed for the first month of school and just see what happened. And if it didn't make a significant good difference, you know, then they could stop doubling <laughs> their speed but all the other people teaching algebra agreed to do that. Yeah. So it was rather amazing the feedback I got at the end of the month was the kids that were struggling were still struggling. Struggling maybe a little more. But the other kids, especially the brightest ones, were a lot happier. And... and were paying more attention and taking things more seriously. So, uh, I had them give me names of kids that they thought perhaps should not be in the course, because they weren't ready we yet. the
0: kids uh, about all the kids? No, I asked the teachers, the teachers to I give it. me the names of students in their algebra classes that were
1: struggling. So we would go back and look at them one at a time to see if we should suggest they they drop the course and go into a a prerequisite course. And I did the same thing with my classes. In fact, I would already arranged to have some of them transferred to a prerequisite course. And we did that. And a couple years later, the feedback I got from the high school was, the original kids still stood out. Except now, they stood out because... They were among the best kids going there. Hmm. So that was the biggest change I was able to institute while I was at that school. Yeah, no, and during that cool. time I met my husband
0: and uh He moved into the town. and house. got married. Yeah. Right? He moved into the townhouse. You had already had the townhouse. Yes.
1: But he had a condo that he had bought when his father died and inherited a little bit of money. So we got her and yes he moved into my townhouse and we rented his condo. He happened to rent it to a person in my math department who was looking for a place for she was a single mother for her and her daughter. So that worked out and she stayed there for many years in the condo. And Let's see, what did I do then? Oh, I had started when I was, my first school started taking some graduate school courses at the University of Maryland, and I got some grants to take some special ones. The um, author that it was covering the content of the math courses that were instituted at the, when I was a student teacher, and they were just starting to teach those classes in Frederick County to their best kids. So, and we had them at uh, Cabin John D. and I where I first started out. So I took a couple courses there and other math courses and I think I took one education course and, and I had about 15 credit hours that, that I earned uh, before I was at RISU. But when I met my husband, I sort of stopped taking the courses because I was also a workaholic and I needed to spend some time with my husband. I couldn't ignore him all the time. And I decided, and I paid off my national defense loans that I had gotten to put myself through school, uh, college. So I talked to my husband, and he agreed that I would, take a year off, and go back and get my master's degree. And unfortunately, I couldn't transfer any of those credits because they were too old. So I had to start from the beginning in graduate school. So I went shopping to decide where I was going to go to graduate school. And I wanted to do it my way. So I ended up talking and meeting with the dean at Hood College after I talked to some other deans, like at the University of Maryland and a few other closer places. And I told him that what I wanted to do was get a degree, a master's degree in school administration. But I wanted to take a a lot of courses in the business administration department too. And I didn't want to have to take a lot of education courses in the education department, and I and I explained, gave him a little bit about my background and and how, you know, I already knew stuff in 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 the education department, and I said, and in addition, I wanted to do my entire master's degree, you know, this year, this school year, so I wanted to do it all in ten months, and he said. You can't do that. So I started giving him my reasons, one at a time. (laughs) And he at some point said something like, you have more reasons to give me, aren't you? You're just not gonna stop until I say yes. And I said, well, that's correct. (laughs) So he finally, he finally, I finally gave him one so that he would say yes. You know, and I told him I wanted, when I went back to Montgomery County Public Schools, I wanted to already have that degree because it would make a difference in my salary and, and you know, jobs I could be hired for if I chose to apply for them. So he let me do it. And he let me, not, I only had to take like one school administration class and I took a psychology class that was semi-related to to education, and I took courses in the business administration office. So what happens is that, you know, Hood was one of the few countries, the, the few schools in the country, that, even with undergraduates, required students to pass comprehensive exams in their senior year, and if you didn't pass them, you didn't graduate. But lots of of master's degrees and PhDs require people to pass comprehensive exams. So, as it turned out, because I was taking more classes in the business administration department, I had to take my comps in the business administration department. And second semester, I was taking three courses in that department, three of my five, I guess it was. And... The head of the department was my professor in two of the three classes, and then about two months before the end of the second semester, I went to speak with him uh, during his office hours, and I told him that, that I, was, I needed to take my comps early so that I could get my degree when I left to it that semester. And he said, well, you can't do that. I said, well, why not? He said, because his policy is that everyone taking two or more classes in our department can't take their comprehensive exams. If you were only taking one, you could. But you're taking three. he said, well, but the dean said I could. And he said, well, I'll talk to the dean. (laughs) Well, guess what? The dean told him I could. So he, I asked him for a list of things that, you know, just major topics that would be covered in the last part of the course, so that I could work ahead and know that information when I took class So he very reluctantly, you know, he didn't have a choice; he had to let me do it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and of I course, also, get it. also knew your reputation and he knew your know uh, knew your uh, your resolve that you were going to do it no matter what. Yes, but the. the the professor and the, the that department didn't
1: know that. I didn't even tell any of the people in my classes except the ones from the school administration course that, that I was a teacher. They didn't know. So he, but he was the one who wrote my comprehensive exam questions too. The guy who said I couldn't do it. Well, oh boy so i I took the computer and I had to do it in the library and they put me in this room by myself, and I wrote all day long, except for, like stopping for fifteen minutes or so to eat something and uh make a trip to the ladies' room yeah. well, uh, and I mean it was I spent at least eight hours writing my responses to those questions. I thought when it was all over, I thought my hand was gonna fall off or something. I'd never written so much in
0: once in one I day in that time period. Before computers <laughs> and the internet and so forth. Uh, oh yeah. Funny. So okay. well, so I didn't
1: find out how I did on my comps until the next the last day of the semester. And he calls me up after class that professor and said, Well I need to admit to you that there there should be sometimes exceptions to any policy we may have. He said, And I need to tell you, you know, I've been writing and grading comprehensive exams for years. And your responses to those questions were a lot better than any that I've ever had a student write before. He said, you included things in there that weren't even in my lectures or in the textbooks. He said, how did you, where did you learn these things? And then I told him I was a teacher. And there I had to supervise other teachers. And I took in service courses in Montgomery County Public Schools. <laughs> and I'd taken a course at the University of Browning. and. You know, a lot of the things that you do when you observe people and make recommendations for them to improve and to run a department, they're basically the same things in business as they are in education, the leadership things. So he said, oh, he said, I never realized that school systems really offered courses in-house to do things like that.
0: So, Mm -hmm. short story, I got my degree. <laughs> well, awesome. and and uh, well, well deserved, and one of the reasons why we're here talking to you, one of the reasons why you've gotten all these awards and accolades is because uh, you you. Uh, go at education with a passion. Uh, when we when we come back with Darlene Cunahan, we're going to hear more. We'll be back with a continuing with our continuing series with Darlene Cunahan. She is a, a, a well decorated uh, educator, a mathematician, and coach. Uh, Darlene, thank you very much, and and congrats once again on on all of this. I mean, this is uh, this is just tremendous work, and I don't think anyone who's been listening to you is surprised by anything. That has uh, has you come your way and, uh in in regard as recognition uh in regards to recognition or in um uh, you know in, in regards to uh accomplishment uh you are what educators should be and and what we hope uh this next generation is uh, is is churning out uh Darlene, thank you very much for being here Well and thank you for having me there. And to everyone out there, Darlene Cunahan, please uh, binge listen to everything that we've done here. Uh, I think this is part five on Darlene, and uh, she's just she's wonderful. This is what we want from our educators. This is what we want for our students, our children. We want our educators to be this passionate and uh and this accomplished frank mckay signing off darlene Cunahan once again please binge binge listen to everything that we've done and, and listen to the whole series uh frank mckay signing off we'll see you next time on breaking it down